And it's knocked off. Oh, my goodness. It's 2-0 Honduras. And in, in reality, our team in 2008 will be the last team once again the next time the U.S. go to qualify. And when that sinks in, it, it verges on 14 years. I mean, let that sink in. It's a failure, and we should not accept failure. What's up, soccer fans? Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Al Qatar, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. Nihal, if you could play an Olympic sport, what would it be? And let's not count soccer or basketball. No soccer or basketball. Are we doing summer and winter, or just, or just summer? Yeah, just summer, since that's the one coming out. Um, well, I think, I think water polo is kind of interesting. That's okay. a tough one. You actually want handball. Handball is an Olympic sport, right? I think so. Okay, I think it would definitely be handball. I, I definitely enjoyed playing handball when we were in gym class and stuff. Um, so I think I would definitely, I would definitely play that. Honestly, though, if you put me on the soccer team right now, I don't think we would have fared any worse than we did today against Honduras. That is true. <laughs> you would definitely fit right in. <laughs> no, okay, that's that's not true. But it, well, obviously, it was not a great effort, and we should probably get into that now. Uh, the U.S. men's national team failed to qualify for the 2021 Olympics, originally the 2020 Olympics, by losing to Honduras in the semifinal of the Olympic qualifying 2-1. to one. Um, Jackson Ewell's goal was not enough to lift the U.S. MNT over Honduras. How do you feel after that one? How do you feel after this one? You know, Are you used to it? Uh, I played a game of Overwatch. I'm a little bit calmer now. Got to shoot some things uh, in video game style. So I feel a little bit better, but I was angry. You know, going into this match, I was kind of like, you know, if we, if we lose, I thought it was sort of a 50-50 because, I, you know, I don't think this team is very good. And I think we're, we're actually together for the first time in a long time recording, and we, so we watched these matches together today. Um, I think um, you probably, I mean, I was, I was not very optimistic at the beginning of the match just based on the players we brought, and that's a serious indictment on Jason Christ and the roster he chose, and we can get into that in a second. But, you know, this is the third straight time we haven't qualified for the Olympics. In the last 12 years, we failed to qualify for three Olympics, a couple of U-17 World Cups, I think, obviously the Men's World Cup um, in 2018. So I think this, out of all of those, is the least consequential because all of our players in the Olympic, all of our good players in the Olympic age range are good enough that they don't need this Olympic experience. And also, since we do have the CONCACAF Nations League, as well as the Gold Cup, we have two tournaments, so it is going to be like our BC team playing in the Gold Cup, so they are going to get some sort of experience, right? So it does, it's not as dire as maybe you might see on Twitter or, or like Alexi Lawless and Taylor Twelman are saying, in the past, the Olympics have been a valuable um, international experience for some of our younger right, players. Right. Uh, leading I remember even, even Landon Donovan was telling us that when, when we had him on the podcast. Right, right, right. But the Nations League, I mean, you're going to be playing Costa Rica and Mexico in, in very competitive matches there. And the Gold Cup, you know, the, the quality of CONCACAF is just is so much higher now. And if Jamaica brings their A team with like Mason Holgate and Michael Mikel Antonio, I mean that's I don't think the US whatever the rings of Gold Cup wins that game, honestly. So but I think there are other ways now to get experience. It's not a bunch of MLS players who you know, MLS is a more serious league now too. I don't want to say more serious, but it's a more rigorous and and a, and a higher quality league than it was even twelve years ago. Right? Um, that, all that being said, this is obviously incredibly disappointing. You know, we, we've seen this federation fail time and time again recently on the men's side 
to put out a quality product, um, you know, aside from the last 10 games for the, for the, for the senior national team, really. Um, and I think, you know, I think we have to move beyond hiring some of these people like Jason Christ who really aren't, you know, like fail out of MLS. Like, you know, some of our U17, U20, U23 coaches, I think the best way to do that is have younger coaches trying to prove themselves rather than older coaches who failed. Like, I, I you know, yeah. I think even if they don't have experience, you know, as coaches, someone who's willing to play a progressive style, you know, aside from the formation and some patterns of play, this did not look like the senior men's national team um, in terms of how, you know, obviously the quality is, is less. The quality of competition is also lower. But, you know, it, it just didn't look like it. it. You didn't have the same types of players called up. You know, right. you didn't have creative wingers who can play as, as attacking midfielders. You didn't have, I mean, you had Sam Vines and Aaron Herrera who are actually pretty good fullbacks in, in attacking, so you had those. Um, but you didn't have two central midfielders who had real quality and, and could provide from the center of midfield and, and create chances. So, I mean, those were missing. Um, but, I mean, what, I mean, what did you think of this game? This game sucked, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a super fun watch. I mean, I think the Ewell goal was... That was awesome. Kind of, you know, kind of brought some excitement back into the game, but it was really sloppy. Um, I think there were stretches where the U.S. kind of figured it out, but maybe 70, 70 minutes too late. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I thought uh, Jonathan Lewis had a couple chances that he definitely could have converted or done better on. Um, was that? Yeah, it was late on, really late in the game. He had a chance where it looks like he, had a, he was in a really good posi position, but his shot was just completely in the wrong direction from goal. And I, was he try I don't know if he was trying to lay it off for someone, but it looked like he just kicked it wrong. Yeah, it's possible. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe he overran the cross too much. I don't know. But... I mean, he did beat the left back and got called for a foul. He was in on goal. I mean, so I don't know what that was about. Oh, yeah, that one, yeah. But, you know, the sentiment that we're not going to make sweeping changes because of interest. You know, Sunil Gulati said after 2017, after Cuba, the, the, you know, the, the U.S. 70s lost to Trinidad and Tobago, he said we're not going to make big changes because of a couple of inches. You know, Clint almost scored. I mean, and that's just the wrong mentality. You know, you can't look back. I mean, yeah, and you could, you could arguably, you know, this game, if not for a horrendous David Ochoa uh, error, this is 1-1 at, at full time. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit tougher because I don't think Jackson Neal's taking that shot. Yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't realize that, like, he's the only way that something could happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, because, I mean, he had runners. The pattern of play is to put it out to Sam Vines and, and try to get a ground cross in. That's usually what they've been doing. So I don't know if he shoots that. But, yeah, I mean, Honduras just a gut punch at the end of the first half, very end of the first half to score a goal. And then at the beginning of the second half, um, uh, David Ochoa just kicks it straight at the Honduras player. And I think the difference between this team and the senior national team, who among, the best players are actually younger than all of these guys, is that they play within the system, but they also play their opponent, right? They're not necessarily... They're not necessarily confined by the system. They evaluate the situation and see what's, what's the best thing, what's the best play to make. That's not always true. We can get into that a little bit later. I think Kalana Costa got kind of today in the, in the senior team was just making passes he thought 
he was supposed to make competitors with play. So that's not that's not necessarily true. But what's going to separate quality um, within a system to quality as a whole national team is having that individual creativity and being able to evaluate the situation, kind of like what Jackson Yule did, and you know try to come up with something that's going to lead to a goal. You know? I mean, you know what? That's kind of like uh, what, what? I mean, the Jackson Yule goal actually today kind of reminds me of the Christian Pulisic goal against Trinidad and Tobago. We're both down 2-0 in both right. games. And it looked like they were like the only really players who were showing their quality. And then Pulisic kind of has a spectacular individual goal to bring us back to 2-1. Absolutely. And we also got eliminated in this, in this game, obviously. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is extremely disappointing. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think this is going to, unfortunately, look much worse to, to non-avid fans than to people who, who, like, really follow the sport because we know this was, like, a D team. For, for, but, I mean, and part of that is the players who were called up. And, and it's not, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's a D team... It's not an A team, even from a U23 perspective. And then also the casual fan might just not right. understand the context that this is a U23 team. Right. <laughs> but we are one of the two best teams in CONCACAF. You should, we should be qualifying for the Olympics. And uh, we should be qualifying for the Olympics. Three straight times we haven't. You know, I heard, I think, Alexi Wallace briefly. I wasn't really paying attention, but after the game he was saying it's ridiculous that these MLS clubs are not releasing their players. No, I mean, they're a club. They're not, why would they, if they don't want to release a player for this type of tournament down in Mexico um, for, you know, for three weeks, we have to be able to call up the right players to, to compete. Because even though this wasn't the highest quality team, we do have the players to compete. So why don't we talk about the roster a little bit? Why don't we talk about Jason Christ? You know, today after the game, Jason Christ said, we have guys who look like they don't really want the ball, right? And um, he talked about how, you know, he's going to look at himself and look at the roster selections. And it's kind of like, when this roster dropped, we knew what this was going to be. There was going to be zero creativity. You know, Ulianas got hurt, unfortunately, and Tanner Tessman came in. He looked like the only creative player off the bench today. Um, I mean, he, he had some really nice passages of play. But we had Eric Williamson who is creative in the midfield. We have Keaton Parks, who played super well for, for NYCFC in the midfield. We have Jeremy Abobase. They said we're happy with our strikers. What did our strikers do in this tournament? Sebastian Soto looked awful. Jesus Ferreira, Ferreira excuse me, had a goal, um, but other than that, he looked awful and missed like sitters. Jeremy Abobase can play on the wing. He can play any of these those three forward positions. He has some really good speed. He can play in the air. He's a good, solid player. Instead, we go with six defensive midfielders who can only play a lateral ball besides Jackson Ewell. You know, Hassani Dotson was a surprise in this tournament. He looked he looked pretty good at, at, at times, especially against the Dominican Republic. Yeah. And um, he, you know, he was injured today a little bit. He had a knock. We weren't sure if he was going to play. But when Hassani Dotson is your best attacking midfielder, you have serious, serious problems with the roster. And that falls on the shoulders of Jason Christ. Um, and, you know, he, he should not lead this U23 team going forward. And I think Greg Berhalter 
is not one of these guys, right? He's not like a Jason Christ. He's not a Bruce Arena. He's, he's adaptable. Um, and, and we sort of saw that with the formation today. And he's, he's realistic about what the team needs, I think. And, and what, you know, he, he's, he's going to call up the players as a collection that makes sense. And, you know, if, if for best six players or defensive midfielders in the midfield, I mean, I have to believe he would still call up an attacking midfielder. Because that's what you have to do, you know. And these aren't even the best players. These aren't even our best defensive midfielders, in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, like, again, it is very disappointing, especially after we beat Costa Rica. It seemed like that was a really good start to the competition. Um, and, uh, you know, Jason, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that Jason Christ said today, we have guys who look like they don't really want the ball. Are you freaking serious? You called them up and you put them on the field. This is the starting 11 you chose. And, you're, and I mean, he's not wrong. Like, I'm glad he was that honest. But, I mean, come on. Come on. I, and I think this, he had another really weird quote. Oh, yeah, this was the quote. This was Jason Ward's final words at the press conference. It's a fact of life that you lose more than you win. And it's always going to be about who gets up and moves forward the quickest. These disappointments happen in your life over and over and over again, and you have no choice but to move forward. Hell no. You do not, you do not lose more than you win. That doesn't apply to soccer. If you lose more than you win, you're fired. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, 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 if he's... If he's, if he's speaking from the standpoint of like how the players can approach this in their, in their careers, right? Because, you know, you saw the emotion from a lot of these players. Their kids, some of them, more so than others, I mean. So I kind of get that sentiment if he's trying to, you know, you know motivate well, his players. There's, sorry, I don't, I don't want to cut you up, but I, just one more point here. There's the added pressure of the fact that these guys know they're not the best in the pool. And they are potentially robbing, like, Krishna Pulisic or, like... Josh Sargent uh, or Serginio Dest of the opportunity of playing in this tournament. Right. I mean, I, you have to believe that that's sort of, you know, on their minds. But but continue. What were you going to say? Yeah, yeah, I mean, if he, you know, I think <laughs> if that is Price's way of evaluating what he did out there, then that is kind of unacceptable. But if he's speaking from just a more general standpoint of the players and how they can approach uh, this uh, going forward, then I kind of get that. But it's still a platitude, obviously. It's still a very general... Uh, message that doesn't really mean anything regardless it's a fact of life that you lose more than you win though i mean come, come on that's the, you use platitude correctly don't okay, okay. what were you gonna do if that was wrong <laughs> um but, but yeah whatever whatever i i mean should we, i who who was even good in this game it was awful. Bad touches, no movement off the ball, just missed entry passes. That's a basketball term, but it's a term I use now, I guess. Um, but like when, when you're trying to play between the lines, zero accuracy from anyone. Yeah. Touches going out of bounds. Walking the 94th minute, walking to the corner flag. Walking around the field. I mean, come on. What, what is this? It's, it's what we saw in, in, in Trinidad, too. I mean, that's, I think, what bothers me, right? Jason Christ in the press conference also said there's a mentality problem. You are the coach of these players. It is your job to motivate them. Um, 
I mean, he yeah. is taking responsibility, so he, I think, fine. If, that, if that's the case, that's the case, but... It's also your job to have them, I mean, you know, for fitness levels to be high enough. I know there's a lot of extenuating circumstances with that, but it's, uh... And they, they had their water break, too, so I think I think just, just like, the, the lack of movement out there near the end of the game really was maybe telling of, of the mentality. And just kind of, uh, even some of the, the balls, like, just too often settled for just kind of a super direct long ball to nowhere, rather than slowly building up play and trying to create something uh, substantive. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it, it, was, it was a disappointing effort. Um, yeah, second goal was just an individual mistake, but you got to play better, you got you to gotta play well enough to overcome that kind of thing, and you gotta, you just, you just have to do better. And it's disappointing that this is the third straight Olympics we're not gonna be able to see, but like you said, there'll be, this year, this summer, there'll be lots of things to watch instead, but uh, yeah, uh, changes changes at this level, at the U23 men's level, have to be instituted going forward, I believe. Yeah, I mean, and part of the issue is, this was a year later, you know, players like Brendan Aronson and Daryl DK are over in Europe, but I mean, Everyone in the world went through COVID this past year. All of these teams, you know, are not in the greatest form. Mexico's midseason, so I, I believe they're mid- or maybe Costa Rica's midseason, whatever they both are. But regardless, you know, this is a game that we just we just had to win, and we didn't. So I mean, I, I guess you know I'm sort of contradicting myself. We didn't. Have, it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> but in the context of the tournament, it's a game we had to win, and we did. That's what I mean, right? Like, obviously, it was a win or go home, and we didn't come through. Yep. All right, let's talk about a team that's not losing more than they win right now, and that's the senior men's national team. Okay. (laughs) And uh, the U.S. played against Northern Ireland today and won 2-1, flipped scoreline of the previous game we talked about. Uh, Thanks to goals from Gio Reyna and Christian Pulisic. Uh, We're not going to do as deep of a dive um, just because of time constraints with us today, but... uh, Overall, uh, I was pretty pretty happy with this performance. You, you gave up that goal at the end, which was just a wonderful, wonderful strike by well, McGinn. But yes, but what was Miazga doing? Yes, that? <laughs> that is true. But uh, yeah, I, but overall, I was I was pleased with the way they played. What did you think? I thought it was um, I thought it was interesting. Like I th- we obviously we came out in, in a formation we hadn't seen before. Uh, the three four three is you know sort of like the. Um, what, what Borussia Dortmund has played in the past um, with Pulisic as, and Reyna, I guess. That's what they've played, Dortmund. So Pulisic and Reyna, um, both f- familiar. I mean, I guess Pulisic played more as like one of the wingbacks, but whatever. Reyna has actually played this in this formation quite a bit in the position he played in um, for, um, f- for Borussia Dortmund. But new formation, I-, I thought they were okay. I think they, in the first 10 minutes, they looked great. Um, they sort of dominated possession in the entire game. Uh, it didn't lead to a whole lot of great chances. Christian Pulisic played a lot better today. I thought Kellen Acosta had a terrible game after having a really good game on um, Thursday. Um, and, I mean, it was cool to see a different formation. I think, you know, I, I want to ask you about the formation too, but I think it sort of left Serginho Des a little anonymous. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. I don't know why exactly that was. I think because maybe he was higher up the pitch, so there was less space. Right. You know, there was three players on that side. Um, 
but I mean, I'd be interested in seeing it again and, and seeing, you know, you know what what comes out of it. Um, I think clearly the the players are more comfortable in the four three three. I also think for this formation to to work, we needed a better striker on the field than Sibicho. Um He he he's decent, but you know he failed to get on the end of a couple of crosses. He didn't really hold up the ball well or make the right runs. There was a clear difference when Daryl DK came on in terms of the runs that were being made and in terms of the hold up play. So I, I feel like um, I feel like that uh, you know this I, I feel like I want to see this formation with our best players um, uh, in the next whatever friendlies we do. But for the Nations League, I want to see us in the four three three. I think. <laughs> what did you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it, like you said, you brought up Sergio Des, and I guess it's interesting. You know, you wanted to say you wanted to see him at right back, but it's kind of hard to to parse that out, like which side he's playing on and who he's playing with from the actual position in the within the different formation. Right. Um, but yeah, I think him just being really high up the pitch. Uh, there was less space for him to operate with since uh, the opposition was already marking him higher up the pitch. And um, I just, yeah, I mean, overall, uh, like you said, I'm glad that Greg tried something new, but I I think that there was just, I think we, the formation potentially allowed for just more possession and the U.S. had 70% possession in this game, it looked like they were kind of in control most of the time, but didn't really have that many dangerous opportunities, much less so than we did against Jamaica, I think. Um, but... Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see. I think the, the center backs actually felt, I think, pretty comfortable in those roles. I mean, Tim Ream, I think, felt... I, I like the way he provided kind of with when we are in possession. I think he's obviously used to playing left back, too, so I think he is actually pretty good as a left center back in a three-man... Um, in a three... Uh, in the back system. And, yeah, I, I think... Kellen Acosta today, I mean, this is kind of a different point, but he looked just really not good. And I think... <laughs> with kind of the, the two-man midfield that you were playing today, that seems like it's a, it's a pretty important thing that both midfielders have to be on their game. So um, that would have helped to have a performance like he did against Jamaica today. Yeah, I mean, it is just harder for two in the midfield to deal with three midfielders. Right. But in possession, Acosta was not good. Um, you know, he, he, his play led to a lot of chances, a lot of sloppy turnovers. Um, I think he was clearly the worst player for us on, on the pitch today. Um, but I thought, again, you know, Reyna, I didn't have as good of a game, but he, he was decent. He obviously scored the goal off the deflection. And as I was saying uh, earlier, Christian Pulisic, I thought, was really sharp today. Um, and, you know, he was trying to do a little bit more. Anthony Robinson, I don't really know what to think of him. I think he's a, I think he's a good player, and I think he showed flashes of why he could be our starting left back going forward. Um, but then he has some moments where you're kind of like, what are you doing? Like when he took that terrible touch when he was in on goal and he could have just squared it to Brendan Aronson. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a good run, though. It was a good yeah. run. It was a really good run. And, and great hold-up play by DK. Uh, or not a hold-up play, but a great pass by DK on, the, on that on Yeah, one point. time, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, and Yunus Musa, again, I just continue to be so impressed with Yunus Musa. He's, he's so solid, you're not worried about him, right? Like, it's not even like, okay, you're like, oh, Yunus Moose is there, he has the ball, we're okay, kind of. I mean, that's kind of how I feel. I'm not even thinking about, like, what could go wrong when he's on the ball. Right. Um, and he's 18 years old. So, and he's cap-tied as of today. Apparently there's a new rule that four friendlies cap-ties you. So, I, I really like that, actually. 
I mean, for obvious reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's easy to like that, but what if we're losing players who have already... You don't really know the, the, the reverse, right? Right. I, just, <laughs> I, I think what it, what it allows for is years or, or times where there aren't competitive matches, you can cap-tie players who want to be cap-tied, right? Like, you, you can't... I mean, if someone doesn't want to commit, then they're not going to come into that camp to play the third and fourth game. Right, right, game. right. So I think, like, for the past two years, we've basically only had friendlies. So I, there was really no opportunity to cap-tie anyone. That's true. That's, that's, that's absolutely true. true. It, just, it just evens it out, right? Right. It's weird for a decision to be decided based on scheduling. Or even, like, if a player wants to play a more competitive game at a certain time, that might influence which national team they choose to play with. Like, right. there's weird things like that. So it's more... Um, it's more standardized across, like, and that, that makes sense. However, just, like, I, I also see, like, why player flexibility is good and players should be able to change their mind and test out different national teams if they feel like representing a different national team. But, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, it is exciting to know that Musa is cap-tied and is, is going to play for the U.S. Men's National Team going forward. Yes, he was so steady today. Um, yeah. So... Coming out of this camp, let's do some like stock up, stock down. Like, who who do you think st- stock went up in this camp significantly? I mean, like players like Christian Pulisic or Christian Pulisic. To me, the, to me, the three that stand out are Brendan Aronson, Luca De La Torre, and Daryl DK. I mean, Daryl DK briefly played, but I thought he was really excellent today. Brendan Aronson was awesome in both of his appearances. He looks so rapid. I I don't. That's just not the way I view Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, when he had the ball, he was he he was making something happen. He was just he had his eyes going forward and was not messing around <laughs> with the few minutes he came in, which we love to see. Right. Um. He's really good at that interplay, and I mean, he's just a winger. So I mean, I'm 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 cool with that. Um. I thought uh, for and Luca, I thought was really good again. I mean, I I don't I I'm interested. You know, ESPN Plus has their debates, so I might start watching a little bit of Eric Lays when he plays, just to see like how he how he does in, in different environment, or like what position he plays for them. But he was really good. I mean, he was really good going forward. He he's really nifty in the midfield and can and can dribble out of tight situations and sticky situations. And he he has a good through ball. I mean, yeah, he he really does. So, I really like him coming out in games where. I think you need an attacking spark. Maybe you're down 70th, 80th minute. I think he could... Yeah, kind of like the Olympic qualifiers today. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if you just had someone like Luka? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, such a, it's such a market difference. Um, you know... I, I think he'll fit better in that role than, than I guess, mixed, mixed disc group used to play <laughs> a few years back. It's crazy. <laughs> Stock down, I don't think there was too many... You know, I don't want to say Kellen... I think Kellen Acosta is just going to leave a bad taste in your mouth because this was the second appearance and no I think he stuck sideways yeah stock the same (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. Osga, I think goes down for me yeah I just think his some of his passes I think Kellen Acosta had a couple times where he lost the ball where I just felt like Miazga was putting him in poor positions Mm. part of that might be also just uh, the nature of the two man midfield as well like you said um yeah I thought I thought and I don't think he was good the last time he wore a US shirt either uh maybe I'm misremembering that Miazga's yeah, an interesting player. I thought he was good, better in defense than I thought, but in a possession, you're right, he wasn't that great today. Um, and, you know, the center-center back, there's a lot of responsibility um, for you. So, this is true. so you, you, need to, you need to be doing that. 
Um, For sure. A lot, yeah, a lot more playmaking than you probably used to, yeah. Right. Stock's slightly down, but a stock that I would hold on to is just a little bit of a dip in the economy um, is, is, is Chris Richards. Um, I, you know, he wasn't really that impressive. Both times when he came on, they almost immediately scored a goal. Uh, neither of which were really his fault. Uh, maybe the Jamaica goal, you could argue, was his fault. Um, but he was tracking the... <laughs> he was tracking... Who's, who's the goal scorer for, for them? Um, McGinn. McGinn? Okay. Yeah, so I, I believe he was the player tracking McGinn, but I, I could be wrong there. Um, he just didn't look comfortable, but he has so much upside. He's going to be a really good player, I think. Um, other than that, I thought, you know, it was pretty good. I think Josh Sargent could be a stock up, too. I mean, he, I think he showed you the things that... You, you know, you wanted to see from Josh Sargent in terms of how he's going to facilitate the attack. Um, and I think the most exciting, you know, I, I mean, should we just talk about like maybe big picture now about the program, about the U.S. men's national team going forward? Because we did talk about the negative thing, but this is more positive with the U.S. senior team, men's, nas- men's national team. Should we just talk about like where we go from here? Because yeah, I think, I think you know, some of the other players, like, I... I, I, you know, you know some, some players might be above a stock. Like, John, John Brooks was like, okay, like he's going to be our starting center back. So like, he was not great, but I don't really like that doesn't really affect the way I evaluate him. Serginho Des was better maybe than I expected, but again, like going to be a starter no matter what. Pulisic and Reyna, I think slightly they both scored today, so I think I'm still slightly just disappointed in them overall. Well, Pulisic scored a penalty. I mean, he drew the penalty too. Yeah, it was a bad penalty though. Well, wait. It was a bad penalty kick. Oh, I think it meant like it wasn't. Uh, no, I think it was. A it was like a bad challenge by the by the defender or something. No, he, he did well. I think to create that penalty. Who's okay? He was really good in tight spaces in, in both of these games. World Cups on the line. It's zero zero in the ninetieth minute when we draw a penalty. Who is taking our penalty? Uh, Josie. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> That's what I'd probably say right now. I think it's Gio. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he has any. I've never seen him take a penalty, but I just trust him. Gio seems like he could take a good penalty, based on his free kicks. Yeah, I I think Gio might be. I mean, I don't think any of our midfielders I would take. Maybe Josh Sargent. Yeah, see, that, that's a little bit scary to me. I don't know. Um, God, penalty kicks like, would be really scary. With this yeah, team. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe Lujet. <laughs> But, um, you know, someone we didn't talk about today before we go big picture again. I, I, uh, Brian Reynolds uh, impressed me. He had a little bit, you know, of some bad touches and, and, and some, maybe a little bit of poor decision-making at times. But this is a guy who's played like 20 professional matches in his entire career. Um, but you can see why Roma wanted him. He has a lot of speed. He's got a really nice touch. Like, he's, he's really good on the ball. Um, he's really good at those, like, one-time, like, give-and-go passes. Uh, which I yeah. think is really useful for a right back. Um, and I think Especially in our system. Are being Roma or the U.S.? No, the U.S. Okay. Roma also has utilized their fullbacks to such an extent in the past, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm interested to see. He just made his debut for Roma. I, I want to see him play a, a little bit more for Roma. Um, we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't get to see Eric Palmer Brown. I kind of wish we did get to see him because he's been playing pretty well in Austria. Um, we also didn't see Owen Odiselli today. Christian Kappas was a late call-in, so I wasn't really expecting to see him. Um, and no Josh Sargent today, unfortunately, which, which was annoying. But, um, but going forward, I mean, the U.S. men's national team, I think, is in a good place. It's in a really good place. We have 
a really solid pool of like 22, 25, like really good players, really solid players, I think. Um, and, you know, a bunch of players we don't know that, that could be coming through. Um, you know, I think uh, Sonogo, um, his first name is escaping me. I think it might be Malik, but he, he just made his debut. He's a 16-year-old. He just made a debut, his debut for Union Berlin in a friendly. Uh, he's been tearing it up for the youth teams. And uh, he said on Instagram he's not opposed to playing for the U.S. So, um, you know how good Greg is. <laughs> they got to get on that one. And, you know, uh, Florian Balgam, too. I think he's another one for Arsenal that um, a lot of people want. Alex Mighton uh, uh, in, in, in the championship. I think Nottingham Forest. I want to say Nottingham Forest. Um, he's a really nice winger, too, that could be, that could be good for the U.S. He, he Yunus Musa, and... Um, uh, Balogun are all really good friends, so um, you know you never know. Could be having a, could have an English American mind. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny that like I feel like you know yeah, I, like a lot of criticism of Jurgen Klinsmann was qualified with, but you know he's getting he's getting all these players. He's getting these. Well, a lot of them are German Americans, so maybe maybe there is still some truth to that that they wouldn't have come if it wasn't for Jurgen. But I mean, Greg's done an amazing job recruiting it, and he's done a better job tactically, I think. So. Yeah, you know, I saw a lot of tweets. This is this sort of goes into the big picture about how like Jurgen was right, and, and people were like, Jurgen was right. Like our players should be playing in Europe, and you know it's better to be playing in Europe. And like, yeah, who disagrees with that? Who I know he and, and Don Garber got into like a bit of a tiff, but he's the commissioner of MLS. He's obviously going to stand up for his league or whatever. But I mean. Jurgen saying our players should be pushing themselves in Europe is like not something that I feel like is many people disagree with. I think for certain players, you know, it's fine if they play in MLS because they're people and if they want to be more comfortable living in the US, okay, you live with it. Obviously, you want them to be in Europe, but I mean, I just think it's weird, like the Jurgen stands who are still out there. Like, I don't know. I mean, we, you, can look, you guys can listen to back to our podcasts and see how I feel about Jurgen Klinsmann, but, um, you know, I, that's, the program right now, I think, is best positioned than it's ever been, um, because it seems like there is, you know, 2002, we had a lot of talent, but now it seems like we have pipelines through our MLS academies and going over to Europe, um, so I think we're really well positioned to go forward, and, you know, Maybe, maybe even in the next two World Cups earn a semifinal berth. Uh, I'm going to say that cautiously, not like I did six years ago or whatever. Um, but I think like they're actually... Wait, how many years did you just say? Six years ago. I don't know how many... Oh, so sorry. When did you say we're positioned to make the semifinals in? I don't I didn't say we were positioned. <laughs> I was just optimistic. Oh, yeah. Uh, I combined two things you said. I think you said yeah. you were better positioned than you've ever been and right. something about semifinals. Right. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think we do have the quality, I think, to be a real force going forward, especially if these players continue to, to develop at a high level. So, um, what do you think of Zach Steffen? I was going to say I think his stock went slightly up for me just because I... Really? Yeah, I, I, I don't... I, well, I think the one really good save today. And then the, other, and then the two goals, I feel like, he conceded in this... In these two friendlies, were just really good finishes. I mean, yeah. maybe I'm being, I don't know, because I, I guess maybe it is a problem when like we weren't conceding that many shots, period, and the two of them are goals. Maybe that does go on Stefan, but I, I, I thought his 
distribution was pretty decent. I mean, he had a couple, he had like a couple errors, but I don't know. He just seemed kind of steady. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, he's he's good. I mean, I think he's good. And I think did you think his, his his he had a bad couple of friendlies or her stock went down? Or? I think it's about the same. I mean, okay. I don't think there's anyone as good as him right now. Um, you know, maybe Matt Turner, if, if he can get a move, people will start to see him more legitimately. If he can get a move, he just signed a big deal with the Revolution, so I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I'm sort of I go back and forth on, on Zach Steffen. He's obviously a very talented player. I think he does look cool though when he when he when he makes saves. He does. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Which is that's not always the best. Right, thing. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 might be the might, might be the issue. Just that's the old like Julio Cesar like <laughs> flying all over the place. It's it's like batting it for a quarter when you could just save it with both hands. It's, like, yeah, it's kind of like blocking it out of bounds in basketball when you should just like really block it to your right. teammates. Right. <laughs> to do it, yeah, it's very similar to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think, uh, but, but yeah. He does have good command of his box and his back line, and I think that's really valuable. Um, any other big picture thoughts on the U.S. going forward, the men? Um, I, I'm pretty excited. I'm just excited to have a, you know, a lot of soccer to watch. I'm excited to get the McKenny adams Musa midfield working. <laughs> that sounds really fun, and... Hey, can we just see a full-strength team? I mean, yeah. You know what, though? Like, that's just kind of the nature of international soccer. Adam McKinney and Pulisic have played, like, 60 minutes. Or, like, th- maybe 34 minutes. It's, like, either 34 or 74 minutes together uh, uh, for the U.S. And, like, that's crazy. Like, come on. We got to get them all together or something. Yeah, this is true. No, yeah, definitely. And, you know, we haven't seen, you know, Timothy Weah we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. I'm really excited to see him. Um, so, you know, we have Matthew Hoppy. We didn't get to see in this camp. Um... So, you know, I, I, the future is very bright, Soccer Brothers listeners. Soccer bros. You guys are also our soccer brothers and sisters. Um, <laughs> the future is bright. You know, I, I wouldn't get too discouraged about, about this loss, even though I went on a giant rant at the beginning. Um, it, is, it is disappointing, though. So Yeah, I was not as upset, I think, as I was last time. And maybe that's a problem. Maybe that's partly just because I'm used to it. Used to it. I but, think really what it comes down to is we know our, our youngsters are good. Like, the good Right, ones. right. So it's not, like, a big deal. It's not, it's not a reflection of where the men's national team is at, in my opinion. This team that we saw on the field. It was, it was dumb as hell roster construction. It was players playing in Europe who couldn't be released. Um, and, you know, even some MLS players who weren't released, like George Bello and, and some other players from, from, who were released from their club. So... Um, there is a combination of factors, none of which are excuses, but those are reasons why we are not freaking out and, and think that uh, you know, we have a bright future. But I will say, in terms of public perception, the U.S. has to have a really good 2022 World Cup. They have to at least look good, and they have to look good leading up to 2026 when we host the World Cup, because that could be a changing point in American soccer history, I think. Because this time, when we host a World Cup, we're actually going to have a good men's national team. Um, and that could bring in a lot of fans, a lot of young fans. If we can make a deep run in the 2026 World and Cup. And turn a lot of young players. Right. Exactly. If we can go deep in, in the 2026 World Cup, that will be amazing. 
And if we make it to the finals in the 2026 World Cup, I don't care how much I'm paying, we're going. <laughs> I mean, that's something you have to, right? I mean, you know, obviously, you've got to be responsible. But Yeah. But... It, it, above any other event, I think that's the event I want to go to the absolute most. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would that's be insane. That's dream event, but... That would be insane. Good to end the podcast on a little bit of optimism. And yes, we will see you guys very soon. Uh, you can email us at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Twitter at soccerbrospod. Um, you can like us on Facebook at soccerbrotherspodcast. And we will see you very soon, right, Neil? Yeah, you can see us. On, you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, I'll also be better about uploading to YouTube. Um, you know, now that we have an Elgato, we actually can do some of that YouTube stuff. So if you want to do, like, soccer previews, uh, this is an offline conversation. But look look for that. I mean, we're going to do at least one of those, I think, um, where we play each other with the teams and sort of try to make a matchup. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, I think what we should do for our next episode, whatever that is, hopefully soon, is we come up with our top 25 players in the pool and compare it and sort of talk through it. I think that would be a really fun podcast and something that would be entertaining for listeners. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds like a really good idea. I think, I think you brought that up before. So, yeah, we should we should actually... I think ahead of yeah ahead of this huge summer, uh, that would be a, a good idea to, to follow through on. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you guys next time for the next episode of the Soccer Brothers Podcast.